we are in the 10th week of a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, in the last sermon, we spent time uh, looking at a passage that called us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. This week, in the very next chapter in the book of Ephesians, we encounter the command that calls us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, we're now in the fifth chapter, working our way through the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Allow me to read, it, read this out for us. It'll come up for us on screen as well. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, first up, if this is your very first time in a church, or if you've never read, read the Bible before, uh, I want to just take a minute to... Explain who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, I mean, it would be uh, sad if we spent 30 minutes talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we don't just take a minute to help you understand who the Holy Spirit is. Um, you know, when, whenever we love a person, whenever we really love a person, and that person is really far away, uh, in another country perhaps, and we wish, we really long to see that person. I'm sure all of us have had experiences like that. Uh, at such times, we use the expression, I'm with you in spirit. You're far away, but I'm with you in spirit. Well, when human beings use this phrase, I'm with you in spirit, sadly, it is mere wishful thinking. The reality is we cannot be anywhere. Our spirit cannot be anywhere else except where our body is. Not so with God. When we come to believe in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, rose again from the dead, ascended, and is now seated at the right hand side of God, far away, theoretically, even though Jesus has gone back up into heaven and is seated at God's right hand, he has sent his Holy Spirit to live in every one of us who believes in him. So first the Holy Spirit helped us believe in Jesus. He was the one who enabled us to come to faith in Jesus. And when we believe in him, he has taken up residency even in every one of us. And so unlike us, 
where we say, I wish, I, I'm there with you in spirit, and it actually means nothing. When God says, I'm there with you in spirit, it really means that his spirit is dwelling in us. So the Holy Spirit, if this is your very first time in a church, is God himself, this God the spirit dwelling in our hearts, in every one of our hearts, when we come to believe in Christ Jesus. So it is this Holy Spirit who really helps us grow in our new nature and in our new community. The sermon series is titled, New Nature, New Community. And so it is the Holy Spirit who's bringing this, both of these realities about in our lives. Um, I wonder if we all noticed this yet, but the Holy Spirit is present all through the book of Ephesians. In almost every single chapter. Let me show this to you. Ephesians 1.13 says, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.14 says, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ. Ephesians 2.18 says, we all have access to God the Father in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.22 says, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, which we saw last week, exhorts us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.17 calls us to take the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 calls us to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And today's passage, Ephesians 5.18, we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is there all through the book of Ephesians. So with that intro, I'd like to draw three things out for us from today's passage, which calls us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Three things. What does it really mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? How do I know I'm being filled by the Holy Spirit? And how can we be filled by the Holy Spirit? Three things. What does it really mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Two, the second question how do I know, how, do, how can I assess today if I am being filled by the Holy Spirit? And third, how can we be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit? Three things. Uh, I hope this is extremely practical as it is truthful and scriptural based on God's word. What does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm sure if you're a follower of Jesus, we've said this many times over. We've prayed, Lord, fill me with your spirit. What does it really, really mean. And I want to suggest this morning, we may have misunderstood just a little bit what it really means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. When any of us pray or desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit, I'm kind of thinking that most of us are kind of thinking of this paradigm of being filled by the Holy Spirit just like we fill petrol in our cars. How do we fill petrol in our cars? You know, once a week, once in two weeks, depends on, depending on how much you drive, we go to the petrol bank, we fill petrol, and that one tank full of petrol keeps us going for two, three weeks. Right? I mean, if you fill your tank, you don't have to fill petrol again. If you're familiar, if you come from an ancient, old generation, and if you're familiar with the ad of a motorcycle company, it's called fill it, shut it, forget it. Right? That's the kind of view we sometimes take of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, we have these experiences, uh, very tangible, very real experiences, where we feel we are filled. You know, Sunday morning times of worship, our experiences like that. And then we get filled, 
and then maybe for one week we run on what was filled, what we have filled in for one week. And that's kind of the paradigm we, 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 we assume somewhere deep inside about being filled by the Holy Spirit. We think of this as momentary things which happens. But that is not what this passage is telling us. When verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it quite literally means, if you look at the original translation, it quite literally means, keep on continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's 24 by 7, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Keep on continuously being filled by the Holy Spirit. So obviously this paradigm we have of of just filling petrol and then driving a car for a week is not the way being filled with the Holy Spirit works. A better illustration, a better analogy to, to understand what it really means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not a car filling petrol in a car or a bike, but a sailboat. I'm sure all of us have seen these boats which sail on the sea with a sail that is up. When the wind blows into the sails, when the wind fills the sails, the boat moves in the ocean. And so it's not that the boat gets one week's supply of wind, uh, fills it up in the sails and moves. No, 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 not at all. The wind is constantly blowing into the sails, 24 by 7, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, and being blown by the wind into the sails. As the sails are being filled by the wind, continuously the boat is moving in the sea. It is this idea of being continuously keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit that this verse is trying to communicate to us. The paradigm of filling a petrol tank and running is not the right paradigm to understand what really means what it really means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. A sailboat where the winds are filling the sails and getting the boat to move is a far better understanding. If we are a boat in the ocean of redemption, the Holy Spirit is the wind who helps us move ahead in our sanctification. We are a boat in the ocean of redemption. The Spirit of God is the wind who moves us ahead in our sanctification. So we must not limit being filled with the Holy Spirit to a mere occasional experience. Those experiences are real and much true and much needed. We all long for, we need those experiences, but we must not limit that to just those few experiences. Being filled with the Holy Spirit biblically is a constant state of being. It's a constant state of being. The Bible, when talking about many disciples of Jesus, they they said it was full of faith and they were full of the Holy Spirit. It was not referring to an experience which is there, which is true, but more a state of being. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is a state of being, not just occasional experiences. So the goosebumps we experience on Sunday at the time of worship, sometimes the tears, the repentance, they are real. We need more of those experiences of being filled by the Holy Spirit. But we must not limit the reality of being filled by the Holy Spirit just to those experiences. It is 24 by 7. 
being filled by the holy spirit is living our new nature another way to look at it is exercising the gifts of the holy spirit the bible tells us that god has given gifts in the holy spirit very true we celebrate those gifts so experiencing the gifts I mean, exercising the gifts that we have in the spirit is still an experience but being filled with the holy spirit must not be limited to exercising spiritual gifts must not be limited to the moments we exercise exercise the spiritual gifts living the fruit of the spirit living in the true nature of the spirit is constant and ongoing both are equally important uh yet another analogy of really understanding what it means to be filled by the holy spirit is the analogy of drinking alcohol don't get angry with me i didn't come up with that analogy paul came the apostle paul came up with the analogy he said don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the holy spirit so obviously he's calling us to understand what happens when a person drinks alcohol when someone consumes too much alcohol he has come under the influence of alcohol he knows not what he is doing i can assure you and so it is with the spirit when we are filled with the spirit we are operating under the control under the influence of the spirit that's definitely an idea this passage is communicating communicating to us and that too is not a one off experience it's a constant state of being a constant state of being entirely under the influence of the holy spirit another way to see this idea of being filled by the holy spirit is to see our heart as a home with many rooms many 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 rooms each room representing a certain aspect of our lives the moment we believe in jesus the moment we believe in jesus the holy spirit has taken up permanent residency in our home uh, but at the moment he is just still parked only in the living room but he is a resident he is not going anywhere as we saw a couple of weeks ago he is never going to leave us he is never going to leave us and go he has become a resident in our in the home of our heart we limited him only to the living room every once in a while we'll come out from one of our rooms and meet with him in the living room and go back into our room and so we've locked out all the other rooms of our heart to the holy spirit so in one sense being filled with the holy spirit is opening up each of those rooms one by one one by one opening up the locked rooms in our heart allowing the holy spirit to enter so remember early on in ephesians we saw that when we believe in jesus we were sealed with the holy spirit he's already living in us so to be filled with the holy spirit does not mean that we don't have enough of him and we want him more no he is already there in us so it does not mean we don't have enough of him it means he does not have enough of us it only means even though he has come and taken up residency in our hearts we have not surrendered yielded enough of us to him so to be filled with the holy spirit is to give him more of us <clears throat> i'll have some water you know all of us have had experiences like what i just did of being busy so busy and caught up in our work that we forget we are thirsty and then suddenly we realize that my throat, throat is parched 
I, 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 need, I need water to drink. We ended up th- being thirsty, not because there was no water in the, in the home or in the office. We ended up being thirsty because we're just too busy to remember we are thirsty. We are thirsty because we failed to drink water. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. He is available. We can drink of Him anytime. And the single biggest reason, in my view, that we are not filled with the Holy Spirit is busyness. We are too busy to drink of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us from this passage. What does it really mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? And I do want to encourage us. There is some amount of unlearning we need to do on what it really means. We tend to reduce the Holy Spirit to an experience. Yes, he gives us experiences, but he is so much more. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just a momentary experience here and there and there, but it is a constant state of being. That brings us to the second thing we wanted to draw out from this passage. How do I know if I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're telling me it's not just those experiences... Uh, how, how do I know? It's an important question that we need to ask ourselves. In the light of the way the Bible is defining being filled with the Holy Spirit as keep on continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible exhorts us to. If that's the experience, that's the reality of being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a question we must ask ourselves every day. How do I know that I am filled with the Holy Spirit today? How can I tell? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit every day? How do you know you are being filled with the Holy Spirit? How much are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Is there any way we can measure how much we are being filled by the Holy Spirit? You know, one of the things I've learned over the last three, four years is that if we really want to grow in something, we must measure it. Without measuring, growth doesn't happen. Let me give you a very simple analogy. A couple of, you know, I think three, four years ago, Aji and I, we got connected to a dietitian. And the first rule of this dietitian is you must check your weight every day. Every single morning, as soon as you wake up, the first thing you must do is check your weight. And, and when, when she first told me this, I said, who checks their weight every day? Why would I check my weight every day? But I began to do it. I check my weight every day. I began to see a direct correlation between the two cups of natural ice cream I had the previous night and a 500 gram gain the next day. I began to eat more intentionally. I began to work out more intentionally. And and every reduction in weight brought about a celebration. It it strengthened my resolve to be healthy and, and, and to lose weight. See, when I began measuring my weight every day, which I've never done in my life, I began to be more healthy. When we measure things, it helps us grow. If we do not measure, we will not grow. And so if we don't measure how much we are being filled with the Holy Spirit every day, we are not going to grow in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Checking our weight every day is one thing. But how do we measure, how do we assess how much we are being filled with the Holy Spirit? How on earth... Are we going to measure or assess how much we are being filled with the Holy Spirit? The passage we are looking at this morning gives us a really simple answer and an easy answer to this extremely challenging question. 
Look at verse 18 onwards. It's come up for us on screen. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the heart, Lord, with your heart. That's the first thing. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this passage calls us to an action and it then unpacks all the outcomes of that action. To be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that is the action this passage is calling us to. And everything else that follows after this, those three specific things, are the outcomes of this action. And here are the three outcomes to be precise. Verse 19 Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make me- making melody to the Lord with your heart. This talks about joy. See, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have, we're going to have a life full of joy, despite circumstances. We'll come to that. So that's the first thing, joy. Second is giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's gratitude. And third, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's humble submission. So Paul is telling us that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit continuously on an ongoing basis, you will experience these three realities, joy, gratitude, humble submission to one another. That's an easy measure. So if we're experiencing joy, gratitude, and humble submission to one another today, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know, we can measure it. So at the end of the day, before we go to bed every day, we just need to see, did I have a day of joy? Did I have a joy day of gratitude? Did I have a day of humble submission to one another? If I did, today, I lived a life that is filled by the Holy Spirit. If I didn't, well, we were not filled by the Holy Spirit that day. Not that the Holy Spirit is not in us, not that he has left us, but we have not given enough of us to him. I want to take a quick minute each on each of these three things that Paul is calling us to use as a yardstick, as a measure of how much we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. First, joy. What does the Bible mean when it says joy? And joy is a very misunderstood thing. Uh, If you remember, we did a series through the book of Philippians, and we call that joy. And in that, in that series, we, I gave us two pictures of joy. One, a wrong idea of joy, and a true, second, a correct idea of joy. The wrong idea of joy will come up for us uh, on the screen. The wrong idea of joy is we find that our career gives us joy. Our relationships give us joy. Our money gives us joy. My home, our home gives us joy. I know my handwriting gives nobody any joy, but you have to make up for it, make, up, make do with it this morning. This is the wrong and the typical way we are conditioned to think about joy. All of these circumstances is bringing joy into our lives. This is not biblical joy. The correct idea of joy is like this. Christ is filling our hearts with joy. And the joy in Christ, the joy we have, By virtue of our union with Christ, we are taking it into our career. We are taking it into our relationships. We are taking it into our finances. We are taking it into the world around us. So we are not drawing, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are not drawing joy from the world, but we are bringing joy to the world by virtue of our union with Christ. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit... 
This is the joy that we will experience. The second outcome of being filled by the Holy Spirit is gratitude. The opposite of gratitude is grumbling or jealousy or worse still, indifference. How would we define our lives this past week? Was it a week of gratitude? Or was it a week of jealousy? Or was it a week of indifference? The third outcome of being filled by the Holy Spirit that's mentioned in this passage is a humble submission to one another. Sub, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Actually, if you remember, if you've read the Bible, if you, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, uh, Ephesians, the rest, the next part of this chapter is about marriage, husbands and wives. You look at that in the coming weeks to come, right? It talks about submission in, in the context of a marriage. Paul is actually laying the foundation for that passage right here. That's what it means to have a spirit-filled marriage. So you'll see the connection when we come to that passage. But for now, joyful submission to one another is a sign that we are being filled by the Holy Spirit. And again here, there is a direct link or a direct analogy of the contrast Paul used earlier in the passage of not being drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure all of us have seen how drunken men behave, and women too. I want to be fair to both the sexes. Uh, you know, drunk people don't submit to anyone. They are a law unto themselves. I think, you know, these reels or these Facebook videos, I can't remember. There was this puny little man who was just so totally, totally drunk. And he was just unruly and boisterous. And, you know, he was so thin. And there were five, six, you know, heavy built people. And, uh, you know, this guy in his drunkenness, uh, he was taking on all of them. He was kind of inviting them to a, uh, you know, fist fight. Uh, he has no sense of authority. He has no sense of order. And that's the comparison that Paul is inviting us to see. People who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we will not submit. We will not see any joy in submitting to godly authority in our lives. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God brings order. The Spirit of God brings harmony in community. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit... We find joy in submitting in the way God designed submission in different areas of life. God has established a clear creation order of authority and submission. People filled with the Holy Spirit know and find joy in submitting. You know, I have to say that in my life, uh, this is a dead giveaway. This is a dead giveaway. And when I was kind of preparing the sermon and reflecting on my own life, I could see that when I'm not finding joy in submission, it's a clear sign I'm not being filled with the Spirit of God. Three things. Very simple things. How did we fare in each of these three things this last week? Is, is our life defined by joy? Is our life defined by gratitude? Is my life defined by joyful submission to one another? This is a note I wrote to myself more than anybody else. We may preach, we may pastor a church, we may lead worship, we may lead small groups, we may do a lot of ministry, we might exercise 10 different spiritual gifts, 
But if there is no joy and gratitude and humble submission in my life, I am not being filled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, a tree will be known by its fruit. In one of the instances, Jesus said, many people did miracles. They did signs and wonders. Jesus said, who are you? I don't know you. So gifts of the Spirit are good and beautiful given to us by God, but they are not the defining evidence of being filled by the Holy Spirit. The defining evidence of being filled by the Spirit is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And in this case, joy, gratitude, and a humble submission to one another. That's how we can tell, that's how we can measure how we are being filled by the Holy Spirit. And the third thing that comes that I want to draw for us from this passage is how can we be filled by the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled? We are all filled. Anyone who believes in Jesus is already filled. But how can we be filled even more? How can we grow in this reality of being filled by the Holy Spirit? This is, at one level, this is truly deeply mysterious. The Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper He said the Holy Spirit leaves no footprints in the sand. He is like the wind, elusive and mysterious, but nonetheless real and marvelous. So we've got to approach this whole thing of how can I be filled, more filled with the Holy Spirit in a a posture of humility and submission and surrender and yielding. And even this command To be filled by the Holy Spirit is quite a mysterious command. We don't control the taps, do we? It's not like we have a glass and there's a tap and we we can open the tap and be filled. No, we don't control the tap. God controls the tap when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't open the tap and yet we are being commanded to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So it's mysterious. And here's another thing. Every one of us, we are all justified equally. Because of the justifying work of Christ Jesus. He died on the cross bearing the punishment for all of our sins. And he rose again from the dead as proof that our sins are truly forgiven. Every one of us are justified. Every one of us who believe in Jesus are justified 100%. There is no exception. There's nobody here or there's no Christian in the entire face of the earth who is justified only 99.99%. No, every believer is justified 100%. But we are not all filled equally by the Holy Spirit. Even more mysterious, I may not be as filled with the Spirit today as I was yesterday. Maybe one week later, I may be more filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, this does not mean that the Holy Spirit comes and goes in me more or less. So we've got to approach this question with humility. It is mysterious. The Spirit of God is like the wind. Nobody knows where he comes from and nobody knows where he goes. So what can we do? How can we be obedient to this command to be filled with the Holy Spirit? This is a command. No, no, have no doubts about it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how can we combine? How can we combine the mystery of the Holy Spirit with our responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to the illustration I used earlier, comparing being filled by the Holy Spirit to a boat, which is being uh, where the wind of the boat is driving the sails. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is a very simple one. Keep your sails up. Keep your sails up. That is our responsibility. You see, we don't control the wind. No sailor, the most experienced sailor, nobody controls the wind. The sailor knows that. The sailor only knows that he needs to keep his sail up. That's our responsibility. How the wind blows is the sovereign mystery of God. You know, this morning we prayed for BKC. A few of us gathered, we prayed for BKC. That is keeping our sails up. God is free to answer the prayer, move powerfully in answering to the prayer to bring revival in BKC when he chooses to. And we acknowledge that. We surrender to that. We yield to that. But we faithfully pray. And that's you know, one, one, one expression of keep your sails up. So how do we keep our sails up? What does it really mean? Again, the answer is very simple. See, we're trying to answer the question, how can we as followers of Christ be filled more and more and more with the Holy Spirit? Ever increasing way. That's the question we are trying to answer. And to answer that question, we just need to answer the, another very simple question. How were we filled with the Holy Spirit in the first place? How did we receive God's Holy Spirit in the first place? And the book of Ephesians again gives us the answer. Chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that is Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this passage is reminding us that this is how we receive the Holy Spirit. We heard the gospel or the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We believed in this Jesus. And when we believed in this Jesus, we received the Holy Spirit. And so if I received the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus, we also keep on continuously being filled by the Holy Spirit as we keep believing in Jesus more and more, as we keep growing in our faith in Jesus, as we keep refreshing and deepening and cherishing our faith in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's keeping your sails up. Believing in Christ Jesus. I want to say two things in closing. Uh, allow me to first talk to those of us who we, we would call explorers. Maybe this is your first time in a church. Maybe you've come a few times. Maybe you're curious about this. And you, 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 you probably stayed with me the first five minutes when I explained who the Holy Spirit was. And I suspect I've lost you all the way through the last 15, 20 minutes. So let me, let me just get back. And just speak to us. If you're, you're not, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just share one thing for you and then I'll share one thing for those of us who are followers and we'll close in prayer. Whatever I said about the Holy Spirit, 
I want you to see this as the measure of God's love for us. The measure of the intimacy God invites us to him. First, he's a holy God. I mean, in our own, we can't even think about the spirit of a holy God dwelling in us. And we're messed up people. You know, even when I was talking about joy and gratitude, I guess you, you felt convicted. I guess you felt, you felt in your heart, you were not measuring up to that, even though you're not a follower of Jesus. You know, we know we're falling short. We know we can never meet God's standard. And so, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. He died on the cross as our substitute, bearing the punishment for our sins we deserve. He took it on himself. He died paying the full price for all of your sins and he rose again from the dead. And he's now with Father's right hand. You know, as if this was not enough, as if God's son dying for us was not enough, he didn't stop, God didn't stop there. Then he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live in us so that we can draw closer and closer and closer to him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to see the Spirit of God as an expression of God's invitation to you for a loving, real relationship. God is not a distant, abstract power. He is a person inviting you and I into relationship with him. That's what I would, that's why I think even a sermon on the Holy Spirit makes sense for, for those of us who are not followers of Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Christ, allow me to just say this. We must never dissect Christ and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each of them have a unique way in which they commune with us, but they are always communing with us together. We have the Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And we are given the Holy Spirit so that we can draw closer more and more to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And so I want us to see that connection. I want, to see, I want us to see that never-ending cycle. We have the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has already done. And we are given the Holy Spirit so that we can appropriate more and more and more of what Christ has already done for us. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ Jesus in our hearts. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to draw us closer to what Christ has already done and to help our lives be lived for the glory of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Allow me to pray. Father, we worship you, Lord. This morning we remember that, uh, Father God, uh, you conceived the plan of salvation. You conceived the plan of redemption. Your son Jesus faithfully and joyfully obeyed and executed, Lord. He lived out your plan of redemption and the Holy Spirit applies your plan of redemption into our hearts by giving us the power to come to faith in Jesus and by giving us the power to invite others to faith in Jesus. So this morning we pray. We pray truthfully, Lord. We surrender, we yield, we give ourselves to what the Bible calls us to do. To be always, to keep on continuing.
continuously being filled by the Holy Spirit. So we beg you, Lord, not just for occasional experiences, but we beg you that being filled with the Holy Spirit will be a constant state of being for every one of us. Spirit of God, be the wind in our sails. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.